Hello and welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast. I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and we are back again for our end of month podcast with the editorial team. So to start off, um, I'll let everyone introduce themselves and we're very happy to have Katie back. Um, So Katie, go ahead. Thank you, Kim. I, Katie, as Kim suggested, Katie Pickton, so editor of Money Marketing, um, back from maternity leave, came back at the start of July. Uh, it also feels like I've never been away now, despite having been gone for a year. So nice to be back. Yeah, we'll get more into that, but um, just let everyone else uh, introduce themselves. Mike Climbs, news editor. Maria Nichols, feature editor. And Anthony Smith, feature writer. Okay. Thank you all for joining me again. Um, So like we said at the beginning, Katie, you are back. So what was your time off like? Obviously, you were doing very important work in terms of like life important work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, I want to know after that what it's been like transitioning back, you know, and getting your footing. Has a lot changed for you in the industry or is it same old, same old? Yeah, so I've been off for a year. Uh, it seemed like a very, very long time when I was going off. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, only ever had a couple of weeks off at a time for a nice holiday or things like that. So the thought of being away for a year and not knowing what earth was going on in this sector, which is hard enough to keep up with at the best of times, seemed a very daunting task. But looking after a child, the day job suddenly seemed a lot easier, mm-hmm. uh, much, much more easier to manage. Um, the magazine, the website, the team. I sort of know what I'm doing with that. I always thought I didn't as well as I do, but um, potentially, yeah, having to look after a human, make sure that they're okay, they've got what they need. There's a lot more demanding things there. So we, we've There's got no real the instruction are, manual. Exactly. And if there was, I don't think they will have read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then, they're not going to play ball no. <laughs> completely anyway. But I have to say, I, I think actually I've, I've been quite lucky. He's he's very, very nice, very calm, um, happy. And yeah, it's hard to think that I've got a, a one-year-old now that that's, that seems like a proper child. Like where's, mm-hmm. where's the baby gone already? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, c- coming back, um, interesting because I've sort of been trying to keep up from from the sidelines and sort of seeing, but obviously nowhere near the extent that I would have been when you're doing the job day in day out. And it's interesting speaking to people in the industry. You sort of go, so what have I missed in the past year? And everyone's like, well, everything and nothing. Like you know, yeah. nothing's really changed, but things have. And um, so people, yeah, just don't really know how. I guess because you sort of you're dealing with those things, and then you sort of move on, and other other things have changed. Um, but yes, it, it's just fascinating. And one of the companies that I spoke to was like, yeah, nothing, nothing's really changed. I was like, what? Nothing, nothing in a year. You've done nothing in a year, and they're like. Oh well, yeah. I suppose we did have a new CEO, and I thought, well, that, that's quite big news. Like, <laughs> so you know, obviously things have happened. I I think there's no way that I'm going to possibly be able to sort of know exactly um, what I have missed in the last year um, that the team will sort of do. But it, yeah, you do sort of fall back into it quite well. Um, so although it was mm-hmm. a bit of a daunting task, you know, making sure I could log into various systems and you know, all, all the standard tasks that you were used to doing that you're suddenly like, oh no, I've been kicked out of this. Oh, can I remember the password? Oh no, I don't have the login. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think I've just about got there. There's probably still the odd one somewhere that I won't know until I need to use that system. But, mm-hmm. Oh God, I can't get in. Um, but 
yeah, you do start picking it back up. And and in a way, it's like I've never been away now. So although I know a year's gone and, you know, a lot of things have changed, it's, it's also, yeah, just, oh, we're back in it. We're back in it now, back with the team. Um, obviously, everyone did a fantastic job while I was away. So I, I wasn't, wasn't worried at all about what was going on because I know it was being well looked after by everyone. Um, so, yeah, just, just really trying to get back into the swing of things now and sort of try and build up that knowledge again of anything that I've lost. Um, happy to start seeing people again. So I, I had a really nice response of when I told people I'm, I'm back and, and mm-hmm. actually sort of some lunch meetings you know where where people aren't just throwing everything on the floor that's oh that's such a <laughs> such a difference now <laughs> so thankfully now the little ones in nursery you know that's more their concern of what he's eating several <laughs> times <of> the day <laughs> and I can focus on some other things well I'm sure your transition will be quick um it's it's not as daunting a task as like you said raising a human so for sure I think um yeah I think everything is going to go smoothly and it has been so far. So, yeah. And we're happy and excited to have you back. Oh, thank you. Um, So let's kind of get into some of the top stories from July. And I think the story that stood out the most was, um, unfortunately, the very sad loss of Nutmeg co-founder Nick Hungerford. Um, So there was quite a lot of response from that loss. and. I just wanted to know what you heard from, you know, people who may have known him and what the response has been to that story. Yeah, Mike, you put a nice piece together, actually, where we'd had some um, tributes coming through. It, it was, very, as you said, Kim, very sad story. Only only 43 years old. Mm. It doesn't, doesn't feel like an age at all. A uh, no. very rare form of, of bone cancer and actually not long before we we heard the the tragic news um actually the team were all talking about a, a really nice article that we'd read in the daily telegraph where he revealed his situation and us us just talking about little children he had his young daughter and, and that was the the difficulty of thinking you know she's going to live her life without mm. him him there uh he obviously you know did amazing things within financial services Nutmeg's very well known, sort of that sort of shifting of the Dow and, you know, coming up with new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people were sort of talking about the legacy that he will leave behind. He's literally set up a charity in his daughter's name and it's for children that are, you know, they, that have sadly lost a parent and how they sort of deal with it. And he, he seemed very humble in the fact that he had built up quite a bit of wealth, you know, when he sold Nutmeg, there was obviously some money behind that. And, and not everyone is obviously going to be in that fortunate position. And it just shows, though, no matter how much money you have, um, mm-hmm. sadly, we can't protect ourselves from these horrible, tragic things as well. So I think the fact that, yeah, his legacy will live on um, with Elizabeth Smile charity mm-hmm. uh, but the the responses that we had you could just sort of see on people were just really shocked by this news and everyone's yeah. had a, a nice story it seemed like no matter how big and important it seemed that he may have got everyone was just like there was this lovely man behind it that was mm-hmm. obviously you could go to and sort of run your crazy idea past or something and he would sort of tell you so it was lovely to see that sort of outpouring. Very, very, very sad story. Um, mm-hmm. Undeniably our most read this month. And I think that just shows how many people he touched in one way or another. Uh, yeah, definitely. For sure. 
Um, Mike, did you have anything yeah, to Jer- add? Yeah, just uh, Jeremy Fawcett, um, our colleague at, uh, over at Platform, had a nice sort of sentence I thought I'd I just read, was that, um, which I think encapsulates sort of his legacy and influence. Nick Hungerford was a mold breaker who brought Silicon Valley into the UK wealth management market at a time when it was still split between those who thought the internet would rip through their sector and others convinced that the personal touch was the only currency. Mm. So I thought I thought that kind of was a very neat encapsulation. Yeah, clearly someone who had a massive impact and I think will continue to have an impact um, for an, a legacy. So, yeah, very sad, but hopeful, I guess, for the future um, as well. <clears throat> so moving forward, um, we also had... Um, as of recording this, uh, we have now passed the consumer duty deadline date. Um, so what has, are people still in the, uh, in the stages of, you know, I think we had written stuff months ago where like 80% of firms weren't prepared. Are people's responses now that they are prepared or is, are people, did it feel like people are still scrabbling, um, to have, to be compliant with the consumer duty? I think, Kim, that's one fine example of where things have changed, but nothing's changed type of thing (laughs) as well. So the consumer duty was something we were talking about long before I went off. Uh So I think I remember us doing a cover feature at the time to sort of go, wow, what is this change in regulation that's happening here? And I think we had lots of advisors sort of go, this doesn't affect us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're already doing whatever this is for the providers. This is for the other sort of companies. And I think, you know, it's going to be a case for for everyone. This is probably the start of that journey. Although, we, mm-hmm. you know, happy consumer duty day was 31st of July, sort of the implementation. This is, you know, what's really going to be seen is the regulators obviously going to be watching how people have implemented this. It's mm-hmm. a principle-based regulation. That's sort of how it's described. You know, it, it's trying to find what good practice looks like, but from mm. the firms directly. So mm. rather than completely uh, mandate how you have to do this, there's mm-hmm. obviously certain rules and, and things that they are following, but it's, you know, what what are the companies introducing and how's that going to look like? Um, so I think more advisors are... Um, aware of it now there's probably there probably is still the debate does it matter to us directly some Mm -hmm. sort of say well we already had treating customers fairly so is this any different was this a waste of time from the regulator Mm. Uh, obviously a lot of it will remain to be seen but I think the whole thing is to obviously improve outcomes for the consumer that's got to be a good thing Um, if you Mm -hmm. are a good player you will carry on doing what you're already doing if you were not so good you know that someone's keeping an eye on you even more than they they were um but i think a lot of the providers as well have been trying to offer support to advisors so Mm -hmm. you know we know that obviously advice firms can span from one person sort of running their own business to absolutely massive networks where they've got sort of help for support with compliance and regulation and the whatnot. So um, I think the fact that providers are sort of realizing that actually they've got the two strands to deal with, they've got to be implementing what they need to do within their own business to ensure that they are compliant, but also how can we support advisors and maybe add value in that way so that they're already our clients, but you know we're sort of providing them with a service that can make them 
their life easier. There's probably yeah. different stats, you know, wherever you look as to how many people are ready. Um, you know, are they going to get in trouble if they haven't? I think the regulator is going to sort of take the approach of going, well, look, we know it's going to take a little bit of time to sort of mm-hmm. get to exactly what we need. I would imagine you know, in the months that sort of follow, we will see the regulator sort of say stuff like, this is an example of what good really, really looks like. And they won't necessarily tell other companies you have to do exactly this, but I think the companies will be silly if they don't. Um, yeah. I, I think that's where we're going to see it play out. But the team will have a better idea in terms of some of the arguments that have been made up until um, this point and where we're sort of going from now. Yeah, I think what what I've seen is just people finding it challenging on how to evidence that you know giving value to the customer um, yeah is is it just another regulation burden you know that's what people are thinking oh well we're doing this already but now we've got to physically show it in some way um i think a lot of people probably would have been doing that already you know maybe it's not so much of, the, of a headache as they think it will be um it will be interesting to hear otherwise obviously at money marketing we we want to hear from advisors and and you know let us know how you're sort of finding that equally the providers as well so i think it is still one to watch yes that date has been and gone but that that is probably just the start isn't it really yeah Maria, did you have? Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to make an observation. I think um, to me, I'm just kind of getting the impression that this is is like the straw that broke the camel's back almost because I think advisors are just really, really fed up now. Um, And it's been a huge, huge piece of work. And I just, for example, I spoke to Kathy Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, chief executive of I want to talk about that a little bit later, but um, she was saying how in her um, capacity as kind of a compliance consultant running a compliance business, she's always been an advocate for the FCA in terms of you know they're doing this for the end customer. But mm-hmm. she says even at this point now, she's starting to just feel like yeah, this is a lot, and she's really hearing that from from all of her advisors really. Um, and then I just wanted to flag because funny enough, I've just been editing a piece um, from Dan Wilshire who runs Wilshire Wealth, and mm-hmm. um, he's one of our columnists. Um, and yeah, talking about consumer features, the trouble is that there's a huge, huge amount of room for interpretation. It's basically whatever you want it to be. It's yeah. a lawyer's dream and will play into the hands of big corporates with the largest in-house legal departments. And um, oh. he goes on, so read it, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, that bit ends with one thing's for sure, consultants, many formally employed by the FCA, will make a killing advising on their own ambiguous regulation. Ultimately, it's been for consumers that end up fitting the bill. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting and generally what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, I think some of the difficulty will lie as well that um, advisors are sort of having to rely on these product providers and other big companies like Maria mentioned to actually do their bit so that they can then deliver for the end client because let's face it, an, an advisor's customer you know, knows what the advisor's doing, but they wouldn't know all of the things that come behind it and everything, every system that they're relying on or processes that they're relying on. So if something goes wrong elsewhere, that makes the advisor look bad. And then ultimately the clients might think that, you know, the advisor is at fault there rather than actually these companies and systems and processes and stuff behind them where we've seen that before. You know, I, I've read a lot of stories in the past about platforms and 
advisors want them to make their life easier. You know, that's what they're using them for. It's meant to make their life easier. But as soon as there's been any difficulty, any problems, uh, that's made their life harder. Um, mm. And then obviously dealing with customers. So it, it's that sort of, yeah, advisors are in that difficult position that they just sort of feel like, yeah, all this burden is being placed on them but they're still heavily reliant on what other companies and what other players are doing. And if, if they get it wrong, then it looks like advisors have got it wrong, you know, equally if they get it right. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how this works and, yeah. and plays out. And, yeah, like Maria said, ev- everyone's sort of going to interpret the rules slightly different because they're not like, oh, this is set in stone. This is the way you have to do it. Yeah. I think also I know that you said that um uh, the FCA might highlight, you know, the ones who are doing the really good work. But I think also maybe people will learn from those who end up getting penalised as well, oh, unfortunately. Ab- absolutely. And that, that's probably what the regulator wants to do as well. Well, look, you know, here's what happens. We are clamping down on the ones that aren't doing this. You know, we put mm-hmm. this in place to make sure consumers are getting a better outcome. If they're not, Oh, dear. Um, And, you know, we still have been doing some of the stories about sort of service issues, how long it's taking to process certain things, protection claims, whatever. So there's a lot that needs to be dealt with anyway. And so this is this is a good thing that people Mm -hmm. are going to have to look at those systems and those processes and things. You know, we can't still have it that people are sort of saying, oh, we're experiencing, you know, high levels of call volumes and stuff. If that's happening every day, I think you might need to reassess what your sort of standard levels of calls are or why are people having to call if they can't deal with things elsewhere? You know, the sort of the hang up of the pandemic and things like that. If people are still using things like that as an excuse, I think there's a bigger thing that we need to look at an address um, rather than sort of realize that, yes, obviously that was a very, very difficult time. Yes, there was obviously going to be some fallout from it. But now we're sort of back in a world and we're sort of, you know, we should have been trying to pick things up a little bit and improving those systems, those processes. Um, So, yeah, I I think you're right. The, The regulator will obviously also be looking for well, here's someone not delivering it very well. And this is what we've done. This is the repercussions of this. Mm-hmm. Don't fall into that same category. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, I wanted to ask what everyone has been doing throughout July and what um, they wanted to highlight that they've been working on. Um, so we haven't heard from you yet, Amanda. So can you let me oh. know what you worked on in July that um, you want to highlight? Okay. Well, I'm going to highlight my leader because obviously I don't do one in every issue. And when I do, I, I, I do like to highlight that because it is something different. It's a different type of writing for me, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, so with this one, I looked at um, male allyship of you know women in the advice profession mm-hmm. um, the, re- the reason I looked at it, I went to an industry event and it was one of the talking points with my contacts because they were telling me that they'd heard from female financial advisors who were saying you know they basically took umbrage that men can be invited to some of these sort of you know female in, in, in business events and they were like no this is this is not fair it should be sort of our space but my contacts were saying to me you know don't really get that because you know in, in every business you know there are men that help women in the industry I've sort of had you know in journalism you know many male mentors and I think I'd be horrified if they were sort of banned from an event you know mm-hmm. when they've helped me into the industry so I think that that sort of more progressive attitude is probably where we're heading anyway you know mm-hmm. as opposed to you know this is a women only event only you know women are allowed I'm not sure I kind of 
agree with that because I'm kind of thinking when I when I um, joined Money Marketing, there were a lot of female-only advice firms who were dealing only with women clients. And mm. it just seems a strange thing, Kim, to kind of cut off, you know, half the population from your advice thing on a, yeah. on a principle, essentially, isn't it? It's Especially if they have families. What if it's a woman who yeah. has sons only? Then <laughs> yeah. you're losing a whole other potential client base as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I do get. I do see both sides of it. The fact that you know sometimes you you do want. I mean, it's like uh, as a woman, you sometimes you want to go out with your girlfriends, don't you? And not sort of have their other halves tagging along. You know, you want to yeah. go night. I do get that. But um, in the piece, I sort of talk about this little anecdote that I had about um when I was at school. Um, I went to sort of school in in Hackney, a uh, comprehensive, and it was very yeah. um sort of you know all the kids are sort of you know street. They're into um you know soul to soul and that sort of thing. You have to wear the right, right trainers. Mm-hmm. And there was me. I was sort of a bit of a punk. I'm still sort of quite into the punk goth stuff now. And yeah. then I had my um Susie and Banshee's boots on, and a girl I didn't know so sort of just said to, I was just sort of lining up out the music music room and she said to me I don't like your boots and then she went on to call me something which I can't repeat here it was a derogatory term for a woman and mm. I just thought oh my god like you know I've done nothing to you I don't know you and there you are judging me so I kind of say it's not just because we're women it doesn't mean we're all allies and right yeah sort of amounted so, to build on that actually I went to an all-girls school and it, it could be some of the <laughs> most horrific environment oh, no, yeah. like you know I, I have yeah. some brilliant friendships from it but also yeah you're right like girls don't always necessarily support other girls and you know I think my nan used to say something like about well sometimes women are the worst bosses ever yes. and like, what, what are you saying like as a woman that, that's crazy that's yeah, true, yeah you know but it, it's yeah. that thing sometimes that yes you know there, there's been the argument of okay help other people up with you but sometimes I guess some people have felt like oh I, I've got to this point so I deserve it and yeah does that sort of create a strain as well so it, it's an interesting one because I sort of hope obviously we've got a lot of uh, strong females on the, on the team as well which is nice and I'd hope I'm not sort of judges people going oh there's one of those terrible female bosses so awful uh, you know I don't I, think I, so I think it's like everything there's, there's good and bad of all isn't there but it's yeah. just sort of just because you're a part of a certain thing doesn't mean everyone is going to go yep yeah, we're, we're all completely on the same page here um yeah. this is fine so yeah yeah like all girls school was sort of it yeah, was quite refreshing when I went to a, a college yeah. that was mixed of going oh this is this is a bit different as well (laughs) I think for me when when you were talking about like the allyship stuff I think um in terms of I understand people wanting a safe space right where they can talk and Mm. um and I understand the perspective of some of those women who are like maybe I don't want to have you know other men from the industry here because I think that they wouldn't feel they're they're scared that they wouldn't be able to express you know issues that they've had without someone saying invalidating that right um because they don't i and i seeing it from the male perspective they don't want to be grouped in with those bad men i guess in quotes (laughs) i'm not saying man and bad but yeah um they don't want to be grouped in together so then they in the end will end up invalidating someone um but i think the men that would be invited to these um, events would be allies and allies would know that it's not about them. They're kind of just there to support 
the people whose yeah. event it is because at least that's my understanding as an ally for you know like my lgbtq plus ia friends right i'm there to whenever i'm at an event that is you know directed for them i'm not there it's not about me i'm not going to express my views as a cis heterosexual woman um so and i'm not going to impose and invalidate their feelings i can just be there and listen and learn yeah i I think i've been to some of those events as well where it has been sort of a a woman focused event either awards evening or stuff like that but there have been men there and like you say they've been championing you know either maybe someone in their team or their leader or whatever it may be and it obviously i think it's felt quite a privilege for them to be included in that mm-hmm. um but like amanda said sort of seeing from both sides we know that um i i've been to an event you know as a woman sometimes and you think oh they were so male dominated and i, I think that that's probably where sort of things have tried to shift that we then go okay well how do we address that balance you know do we then create these spaces or these areas that are you know, mainly women and things like that. <laughs> or is it a taste of the own medicine of suddenly, oh, you're coming to an event and and you suddenly feel like, oh, this is a bit alien or outsider or, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to sort of look at it. I think you're right. The, the ones that are supporting and the genuine allies are sort of, of happy of, of how those arrangements and what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, interesting, interesting piece as well, Amanda. Yeah. Okay. I found it funny, some of the comments on Twitter, but we don't need to get into them. It's fine. <laughs> Some of the people being like, that is sexist. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, tell We're me used to how... it, Kim. We're used to it, Kim. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, oh, everyone wants to, everyone wants to be experiencing trauma. It's so funny to me. Um, but that's a conversation for, I don't know, another podcast. Um, but Maria, um, did you want to expand a little bit more on, um, what you were talking about with, uh, Kathy Harrison. Yes, apologies for any backs, uh, background noise. <laughs> You're in a different location today. I've just been tapped out of the house. Um, yeah, the juggle, the juggle is going on. But that's interesting because that's something that I picked up on with my profile with um Kathy Harrison, uh, chief executive of Verve Group. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that really because it was such an interesting talk. Um. And yeah, I've written out this coming out tomorrow. Um, but her company has just gone through a big restructure. Uh, mm-hmm. So we were just talking through that. And she was basically telling me how she ended up, accidentally ended up with four different companies throughout this whole kind of evolution of of Verve. Of um, yeah, just woke up and realised she just had four <laughs> companies. Um, and so decided that they needed to be consolidated for various reasons. So she's been taking me through the journey of that. Um, but yeah, she was just such an impressive women I just I loved our chat I was so inspired and um, I mean just the whole journey of the company was so organic and mm-hmm. you know she started as this self-employed power planner on her own and then just kind of naturally came across these problems and decided to fix them by launching yeah. different initiatives and different companies and brands and um yeah it's just a really really interesting story and I'm kind of blown away by it um, and she also touched on uh, on the juggle. You know, she's got a little boy, and how on earth did she or does she manage it? Or I always find that so interesting, um, yeah. and just her way of working. You know, it's just such a fascinating observation to see how people 
work and tick and she could not be more opposite to me my structured lists and just you know trying to be super organized and um yeah she said that her comfort zone was chaos which just I relate to that we're we're grateful for you though Maria I'm grateful for your spreadsheets (laughs) and your lists (laughs) it's just so interesting isn't it how people can be so different and Kim I think even I was thinking about our different ways of working and Uh yeah just the chaos oh that just makes me feel so anxious but hey it's working and she's completely smashing it and uh yeah just a really really interesting chat so check it out I saw her speak last year at uh, Money Marketing Interactive. And I think that what I got from her was that she understands people. Um, And I think she also understands that the people that work for her are kind of at the center of everything that she does. Um, And that's pretty much what she's continued. I think they touched on it in leads in terms of their restructure as well. And I think businesses that do succeed are the ones that understand that their company is made up of these people and it's important to take into account their needs as well um so that's one thing that I found quite inspiring about her yeah yeah totally and I think that's um is it is Natalie Bell isn't it who did the who did the talk at MMI yeah and leads yeah uh, uh, yeah I think she's uh, chief engagement officer is that right Mm -hmm. I mean that role in itself to have that in a company and kind of promote the culture and you know it's just that quite unique in itself I think it just speaks volumes about what kind of company it is um yeah it's just something really different and really interesting and yeah she's an amazing woman yeah definitely um okay so let's move over to Mike what stood out for you mansion house stuff mansion house stuff yeah um so the government came out with a load of big uh, uh, pension reforms when I was on holiday, which is typical. I think. Oh. I think uh, Tom McFarlane. They not know the pensions guy was away. That's no, great. no, no, they don't. Well, but um. Well, that was their intention, Kim. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> like no, nothing to see Ooh. here. Let's sneak something in. <laughs> yeah, but they, but they like published something like 10, 10 consultations or separate papers or something. Some of them mm-hmm. quite long. Um, uh, I think the two. I was, I was on a Lancat. Uh, uh, webinar about this yesterday and uh tom mcphail um sort of highlighted two big themes which were um pension consolidation so the government wants to put everyone in the into uh you know we have so many uh, well like we have like 37 master trusts um thousands of like single trust schemes and so to just um uh, make make it sim- more simplify it by by consolidating it mm-hmm. and the other one the other big theme was it wants to put people or pensions money into sort of illiquid investments. Okay. So things like property, infrastructure. Um, and the only interesting thing there is um, that uh, the government obviously has an election. Um, mm. They've talked a lot about level, leveling up. Um, and uh, we've borrowed a lot of money. The cupboard's a bit dry from all the lockdowns and sort of COVID you know, hundreds of, you know, billions of pounds, billions of pounds, hundreds of billions of pounds spent. So it's like, we don't want to borrow money. We don't want to raise taxes. Where Where is the money sort of uh, pensions, pension funds? Um, oh, that's but, scary. But but that might cut across with, um, you know, trustees duty to to get their fiduciary duty to get the best the best uh, return, for mem- uh, return for members um, mm-hmm. in terms of their money. 
so, so that that's interesting. And so those are the two big themes, illiquid asset investments and uh, pension consolidation. And no mention of, you know, pension dashboard? No. Um, I did ask about the lifetime allowance, where, where the abolition of the lifetime allowance um, fits into it. And um, Tom McFell says that, that, it's a, that it's a separate thing. So, so that big LTA change um, is a separate thing. Uh, the other big thing related from the Mansion House reforms, uh, the other big thing uh, which which broke since the Mansion House reforms were announced um, mid-July on, on the LTA was that the government is thinking of taxing uh, death benefits. Okay. So, so a big thing as part of the pension freedoms were if you passed your pension on uh, to someone and you before you died at 75, that would be tax-free. Okay. But now they're looking to, to, to tax them. So, so that's quite a big, big, uh, big change. Um, so, could that be something that they announce in the autumn statement? Well, they already have announced it. Oh, um, okay. Uh, in in like a, a little um, uh, uh, sort of uh, as a part of a bundle of, of things, it was like buried um, in a, in a sort of treasury document. So they've done that on 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 the uh, very slyly. Um, mm. So it'll be interesting there to see. There were so many documents that sort of landed, Kim. I think actually even people that obviously do this as a job of going through all of these policy papers and looking even sort of said, I'm going to need a bit more time than usual to get my head around what's wow. just come out. Um, I, I sort of have a, a separate folder set up in my inbox system of any government alerts. And actually, I've signed up to everything. So I get hundreds far more than I ever will need um, <laughs> you know every sort of tribunal every sort of thing that goes in there and on a daily basis I'm trying to sort of filter out on this one particular day I was like but all of these seem relevant to us I oh no <laughs> just what's going on usually I can just go delete 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 oh yeah. there's one I might look at no that's still rubbish delete 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 um, and this one was just every nearly everyone was saying pensions in some way or another, or obviously the amount of comments that we had of uh, the Mansion House speech. So it was, yeah, it was just sort of lots of things going, oh, hold on. Uh, there's a few interesting things to consider there. And I just remember seeing one tweet that I found quite amusing and just someone said, oh, that's a nice little pension pot you've got there. Shame if something were to, ha were to happen to it. You know, <laughs> and it was just sort of like, yes, okay, right. Well, what is actually going on here then? So, um, yeah, poor Mike, when he came back, was sort of tasked with, right, can you have a little look through some of those documents, please, Mike? And, uh, see yeah. what I'm we still getting my head around them. There's just, there's just a lot there. Like I said, Mike, take some comfort in the fact that, you know, people have been doing this for years and years and years and years are also going, bear with me. Bear with yeah. me. So, <laughs> like, yeah. It might take a while. Yeah. Why not um, just be completely transparent? Is that yeah? Well, the, 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 the other thing interesting in Tomat first yesterday was that he said that that he thinks that what the government released it, it is like the closest thing you'll that will ever come to a coherent government pension policy policy. Oh. That all the things announced make sense, which was which is the first time I've ever heard that in all my years of writing about pensions that what they seem to be doing if there's some joined up thinking. Although, um, Mike, could we have the interesting thing there that obviously if we do have an election next mm. year, if we get a different government in power, is this all likely to change again? On the LTA, interestingly, on the LTA, yes. Uh, but on the pension consolidation stuff um, and putting people into liquid investments on the Mansion House stuff, no. 
Um, but but on the LTA thing, yes. So so on the mansion, as far as the mansion house stuff goes, um, Lankow was saying that, that that they think there's actually quite a lot of that there's some of the sounds the government's making and policy that Labour's been talking about anyway. So but on but on LTA, yes, probably there might be there might there's more likely to be to be a move there. Um, they think um, it's interesting. Okay, well, I guess this is one that we're going to keep coming back to um, and see how it develops. Um, is there anything else anyone wanted to highlight that they covered in July? So uh, n- not a news story or anything like that, but just, just mm-hmm. to try and get used to writing again. Um, <laughs> I did a weekend <laughs> essay <laughs> about premium bonds. Uh, the next draw results are out tomorrow. So I'm going to check if I'm a millionaire then. But judging by a press release I've received today where it says where the millionaires are based, I I don't think mm. it's going to be me, okay. uh, but but I sort of highlighted how um, it's something that I've always had my entire life. My dad bought me my first premium bonds within months of me being born, um, mm. and so those those actual numbers are still in drawers for me now. Now, obviously, I'm not qualified to give advice, so I'm by no means saying that people should invest in them. Although I think Kim, you said that yeah, you I did. Were. <laughs> yeah. I was already thinking about doing it, but I was abroad when I was thinking of it and then I just forgot about it. So you made me remember. So for me, it's a good thing to sort of have as some kind of savings vehicle. But I I was quite surprised. I I, I sort of thought I I was more just doing it for my own benefit, really, just to go, can I still write? Oh, I I don't know why the premium bond seemed interesting at the time. And I think the the rate was just about to change. So it's sort of, uh, they don't give interest. Um, You're entered into a prize draw. I'm sure lots of advisors obviously know this and do advise clients accordingly. But I was surprised that the level of interest that it seemed to create, there was quite a few comments on the story, Um, people on LinkedIn. Suddenly I saw someone from NS&I had read it and said, oh, this is great. Yeah, I saw that too. it in by no means sponsored or anything like that we have it so I wasn't expecting it to get to those people but it's nice that does show um how much we are listened to sort of more widely as well um and obviously our audience but yeah there was a mixed response from advisors I'm sort of going no absolute waste of money you know you'd be better off somewhere else um I did acknowledge that in the piece that you know potentially my money could be doing better somewhere else but for me it was a personal connection and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. that do hold premium bonds have a a similar sort of thing to it you know they've either had them for however many years mm-hmm. I quite like that it's a form of safety net for me that if I needed to I can say can I have that money back please mm-hmm. um and I, you know I could take it out if I uh, had some kind of emergency or something that I wanted to to get but yeah I, for just something that was just oh, just sprung to mind I'll just write it see if it's okay hand it over to Lois and Kim they can decide if they want to use it or not um yeah I was surprised by the response so it was, it was yeah. quite nice to get back into it um so I'll have to try my hand at news and other features and things again at some point as well but I thought I'd ease myself in with the weekend essay yeah no I think it did resonate with people I mean it triggered my memory to be like oh that's something I'd been looking into um and I think I don't know for me I think it's a part of the diversification of your assets right yeah yeah absolutely so. I've, like, I've got other other things as well but yeah ended up buying some for my son um as well and he's won a couple of times already my husband is so jealous he's like I've never won anything <laughs> how has he won twice and he's, he's a lucky won. kid <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I've like I said in the piece I'm probably gonna jinx it but so far 
this year every month I've won a prize not not massive massive ones but the draw's coming out tomorrow so I'm like oh I've said it now haven't I so probably won't get anything tomorrow but <laughs> you know I, I've enjoyed the, I've enjoyed the run while it's lasted yeah well we'll keep up to date probably throughout the year just to see how it goes for you <laughs> yeah. um so is there anything else um that anyone is looking forward to covering or is it is everyone just happy that we're now in August uh quote unquote quiet month yeah, or or silly season, or however you want to sort of look at it. It's, yeah. it's been one of those things as a journalist for years that you're like, oh yeah, August, all oh, that's difficult. Everyone goes off, and this happens, and this happens. Um, how am I going to generate anything? And I don't know. In recent years, it's felt like it hasn't been as quiet as we've hoped or as we expected it to be. So I'm already sort of going, yep, we've got a couple of members off of the team. I've I bet something big is going to break and we're going to be like, oh, what is this? And, you know, will they sort of slip out some of those policies then that they think no one's looking? No one's looking now. I don't think it will be like last year. <laughs> last year was insane because I think we had like the, I think that's when Liz Truss was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, became PM for that period of time that she was and then there was the mini budget that then rocked uh, every industry but mostly the mortgage industry they still talk about it like um, they're having like Vietnam flashbacks or something yeah Um, I think there was that famous tweet actually um, at Headline Money Awards recently our host was sort of saying about there was the tweet that you know we've had however many prime ministers however Mm -hmm. many monarchs um, you know my child was only four months and I remember reading that at the time because my son was four months. And I'm like, has this really happened in this short time? And, you know, it was that thing of going, so obviously when I've come back and people going, oh yeah, nothing really has changed. It's like, well, that's not quite true, is it? Because yeah. actually a lot has changed in, in the world, in in this country, in, in whatever, in everyone's lives. Um, so yeah, I, I was relieved to probably not be part of that. But as you know, had a, a busy period myself as well. But it is, yeah, it's just that every year, August, December, people go, oh, it's going to be quiet. It's not going to be anything. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I think, yeah, we've we've enjoyed having sort of the, the summer break in terms of the magazine. So there's not been that pressure, but now we're going straight back into it with the September issue anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, and we'll keep the content going. So actually listeners, you know, if you've got stories and you've got things, do still come to us because then we can, we can keep following it up that way. Yeah, we still are uploading things regularly online anyway. Um, and the September issue when we get towards the end of August we will be talking about that in our end of month for August um but I guess here I'm going to just use it to uh do a little plug for the magazine please do subscribe to the uh, physical copy of the magazine on our website moneymarketing.co.uk and also you can um Uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms and look out for our events we have money marketing interactive which is coming in october and we also have the money marketing awards in september and tables are still available so if you want to be at the coolest event of the year 
get yourself a table. <laughs> but that is the end of my plug. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to say thank you guys for joining me again. And we're so happy to have Katie back. Um, oh, thank you, Kim. And I think we'll be excited to have the rest of the team back, which if you have noticed, there are some people here. They are on holiday because, no. again, it is that time of year. Um, but I think uh, at the end of August, we'll have everyone back. So, yeah keep posted for that one. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you.